welcome to the Desire to Grow podcast, a podcast focused on growth in all aspects of life, whether it's spiritual, physical, and mental, helping us grow in our careers, relationships, and hobbies. Please note, the following views expressed are my personal opinions and stories. If you seek professional help, please see a professional therapist or counselor. I'm your host, Sam Dish, and this is episode one, Marketing, with Maninder Gill, a brand manager in a CPG in the beauty care industry. I am excited to premiere season one of the podcast and have my first guest on the show. Season one will be focused on talking to different amazing individuals who have been prospering in their careers and educational paths. Today I'll be talking to a very close friend of mine who's a recent graduate from Wolford Laurier University and is working in the marketing industry. He is someone who's had a large influence in me when it came to prospering and doing well in university and high school. He is currently a brand manager, probably one of the youngest brand managers I know in Canada, working at a CPG in the beauty care industry. I feel like he can offer us a lot of valuable insight on what it takes to get into working at a CPG and how the beauty care industry has changed during the pandemic. Welcome to the show, Menender. I am very excited today to have you here as my first guest today. I really appreciate it. I know we, uh, just like you mentioned, we grew up together pretty much like the last like 10 to 15 years that I've known you. Mm-hmm. You've always challenged me. It's always been it's always been a challenge to like, how do we get to the next stage? And we've always been able to inspire each other, whether if that's through fitness related goals or through careers or through like even personal relationships. Um, so I, you know, I can't wait to see what you do with this podcast, but I'm really appreciative of you to like have me as the first guest. I 100% agreement in there. We always push each other to be our best selves and even now during a pandemic we've always told each other to stay motivated stay on top of our goals and really why i wanted to have you here today as my first guest just to get right into it the show is centered around having a growth mindset and finding growth in our lives so when you hear the term growth mindset what does that mean to you we've had so many discussions about this already but i think Really, the key thing about the growth mindset to me is that it's the mentality of always continuing to improve yourself and to make yourself the best version of yourself possible. And what really I found myself over the years is that I've become really critical in terms of where I spend my time and how I invest my time. So really thinking into what type of people I hang out with or who are my best friends or even like where do I invest time in with work? Am I efficient? So really making sure that all the decisions that I make are very critical and I'm making sure that these are the best decisions to get me to my short and long-term goals. The way that I think about it is really, it's like building a home. So every single day, imagine you're allocated one brick. That day, are you gonna spend the day laying the brick to make the foundation of your house? Or are you gonna spend it doing something else that isn't gonna help you get to your full home? And that's how I think about it. If you're home in three to six months, you wanna build it, that could be a project. How do you allocate your days efficiently enough to get to where you want to be and to build that home? So that's essentially like how you grow and how you become better as a person as well every day. So always continuing to challenge yourself. I love that. I love how you use the analogy of a house. And I think that's very true when it comes to anything in life. When we're building a hobby like fitness that we're working on, I think it's all about building that foundation, staying consistent. That consistency is key and being able to do it on a daily basis, I think makes us be our best selves. But uh, you're currently working at a company, Henkel, and at, at your role right now, you're a brand manager. What are your current accountabilities in that role? So yeah, you're right. I'm a, I'm a brand manager and I work for the Schwarzkopf and got to be retail brands. 
Um, so they are master brands underneath the Henkel family portfolio. Um, so essentially what the full accountability is that I work on three different categories. So hair coloring, hair styling, and hair care. So which is like shampoo and conditioners. And really, I, I didn't expect myself to be in a role like this now, but it, it's something that's super enjoyable. Um, and I think it's been like one of my work, uh, one of my best working experiences so far. So just to answer your questions about accountabilities, when I first started working for this company about two years ago, mm-hmm. I started as an associate brand manager. So like a, like a junior level manager. Yeah. And essentially what the accountabilities were is that a lot of the executional related tasks about how do I work towards a strategy of the business of bringing in new brands, bringing in new products and really making sure that we are tackling the white spaces in the market that our competitors are not investing in. So now fast forwarding to the time now where I'm, I'm a brand manager, I have a great team of three people as well. Um, so I'm, I'm super happy for them as well. And essentially what I do now is that I manage the full strategy of all the brands that I work on and how do we continue to innovate into these white spaces and find uh, and use the consumer insights to our advantage to making sure that we're innovating in the right spaces. So okay, once nice. we find the right products, then we have to obviously as a, as a brand manager and as a, as a marketer at heart and at the core, we have to then market these products in the market. So essentially, where are the best channels? So in terms of uh, if I look at like the plan is like a 360 degree plan, when a, when a new product is launched, you have to determine where are the right media channels. So like, you know, how a lot of people now are using digital and social. So like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, yep. TikTok. And uh, also TV, like traditional TV. Mm-hmm. We have to find the right media channels that consumers are going at and making sure that we're there with our products. Yeah. So that's one thing. But then also, like I mentioned, the 360 approach, yeah. being inside the stores as well. So mm-hmm. with displays. And so, you know, when you're walking into a Walmart or something like that, yeah. you see like a big display and there's like, uh, there's like claims like, you know, number one detergent or number you one cereal or whatever. Like, yeah, so we have to develop those. They're called vehicles, like the displays. Oh, so we have to dis- develop those as well. Okay, nice. um, and, and it's been it's been a great experience so far. And I've been able to learn a lot, thankfully, like with the team as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, the really key accountabilities is making sure that the strategy is moving forward and uh, setting up really a long term plan between like two to five years from now of where we'll be and using those insights to our advantage. Okay, nice. I did see you mention a term white spacing there too. Um, For those who don't know, what does that term mean? So how I would describe white space is pretty much like looking at the entire, uh, the category that you're working on. So I'll take an example. For example, hair color. Okay. Um, if If I'm working in hair color right now, there's like a segmentation of consumers that are willing to pay a certain amount of price for the product. So it'll be like premium to value. So value meaning like the cheapest. Okay. And then there'll be another, a couple of different spectrums of like, what are the consumers looking for in terms of a hair color product? Mm-hmm. Are they looking for gray coverage? So consumers that have like gray hairs, okay. how are they looking to, are they looking to cover those? Or are they looking for something that's like a product that adds shine to your hair? Nice. So then what you do is based on the price point and based on where, what the key benefit is, that determines the white space. So for example, there might be a lot of different color products right now in the market that satisfy a premium consumer. So they're willing to pay a lot and for a gray coverage. But is there a lot of brands right now that have a premium consumer, like someone that's willing to buy the pay a lot for the product, but a shine. So for example, like it really depends on the benefits. And that's what CPGs do is really like long-term thinking, not only yeah. next year, like we know right now what yeah. the what the key trends are, yeah. but what's gonna happen in the next one to two years. Exactly. And you have to use the insights that you have to an advantage 
to determine what the white spaces are in the following years. I see. So it's not yeah. only getting that customer act for now, but getting yeah. him for the long term, getting him to be a part of that brand and like exactly with the product. Exactly, and it's like building like a like a long term sustainable pipeline of products. Like you're not only going to last on the business that you have today, yeah. But how do you bring new business and new customers? And then how do you continue to retain existing customers? Okay. So that's like really, really the big thing. Okay. So it's pretty much like uncovering the needs of the customer to find innovative opportunities within that segment. Okay. No, that's great. So right now uh, you're working in the beauty care industry. Of course, the pandemic has affected many different industries and segments. How has your industry that you've been working in been affected? So because I work for... I work in the beauty industry, so all yeah. my brands are underneath like the beauty umbrella yeah. and the beauty categories. They've all been impacted differently. So I think okay. uh, one thing is that like like non-essential uh, beauty care, I think has been uh, has been hurt a little bit. So for example, like consumers' preferences are actually changing quite a bit right now, and I think that's yeah. the one thing that we should focus on is that like. Um, for example, in the styling category. So people yeah. that are styling their hairs, if you think about what's driving that category, mm -hmm. it's the fact that there is festivals, there's events, people are going to offices, people are going out on dates, they're going to restaurants. If people are not going outside anymore because systematically they're not allowed to because of the lockdown, yeah. why, there's no need for that product. Mm -hmm. So why are they get, there's no need for them to purchase it anymore. So that category is gonna decline. But another thing that happened with our businesses is that on, on my hair color brands is that I saw that in the rest of the category as well, what we saw is that because the salons closed down, those salon consumers were still looking to come to the retail environment to buy hair color. So it's like that demand that was once in salons yeah. is now coming into the retail space. Wow. So that's honestly for us, I've, it's been pretty grateful. Like we've had quite a bit of demand for our products as well. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, so far it's been good. But I think it's really interesting to see like in terms of other retail spaces as well. Yeah. Like for example, like look at look at the consumption on like uh, on like toilet paper and things like that. Yeah. Consumers were really stacking up on that because 100%. they thought that post lockdown, yeah, who knows when that's going to happen again. So the timeline was very ambiguous. Yeah. And then consumers are just they're, they're they're what they're buying is shifting by quite a bit and their preferences are shifting as well. Um, but what we got to manage is that, like, are these only short term trends yeah. or are now consumers coming into these categories? But because they've tried it, they have the trial. Are they staying in longer? I so I think that's like a super interesting I see a uh, super interesting trend that I see right now. Yeah. But I think it's it's happening on so many different categories. And mm -hmm. I think it's just like how consumers preferences are changing because of COVID now specifically yeah. is a very, very interesting landscape. No, I think that's very interesting. And I think like any time that there's something that any opportunity like anytime there's something an industry there's something that's hurt usually an opportunity comes from it and that example was perfect yeah. with uh with hair color hair from home because no one no one's going to salons anymore people yeah. are doing it at home diy is huge now especially during the yeah. pandemic so yeah. diy brands are, are blowing up right now anything yeah. to you can do at your house yeah it's a great example from you with the hair color yeah. i think is blowing up and i think that's a huge opportunity now from people not only with this industry but everything else right yeah. doing stuff at home i think is huge now whether it be um, even hobbies, right? Doing, trying different things. I feel like a lot of people are doing different stuff at home. So I think that's a huge opportunity that definitely came from COVID. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point that you raise actually, because yeah. like, it's like those basic principles that we learned in school and like those micro and macroeconomic courses is like, yeah, yeah. whenever there, there's always a complimentary item for something. Yeah. So it's like, for example, like I mentioned, like the, like the, like for, I'll use a different example. For example, like if people are going to restaurants to eat, yeah. 
they're now because they can't go to restaurants to eat what are they going to do they're going to go to their grocery store and pick up recipe books and yeah. learn how to make their favorite dishes yeah because they don't have the option to go to the restaurant anymore so they're going to they're going to pick up something that's complementary to like yeah or that's quite a bit like opposite of the restaurant right yeah yeah so and that's that's what's happening with like retail products as well yeah how many people do you know that have started to cut hair in the pandemic now because salons so are many. closed so many people are buying kits yeah and they're now cutting hair at home yeah because this is the, in and there's a lot of people that are opening up their shops now and there's like thriving businesses out of homes yeah yeah and i i love how you touched on the piece of the uh people cooking more at home too because i think a lot of restaurants are even giving out their recipes now to different people to cook at home i think mcdonald's gave out their pancake recipe there's a few other ones i might need a fact checker for that but (laughs) but if that's the case i think there's a few different um places um that gave out their um recipes so that's that's definitely interesting and i feel like i loved how you talked about the economic part of it because Mm -hmm. compliments is definitely a huge thing we learned and how it kind of goes into the dynamic yeah. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we know kind of now what you do, but I, I guess to add some humor to the take, uh, how do your parents describe the role that you do today? I think my parents, uh, my parents would, they, they probably think I just sell hair color. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's my job. Just, I sell hair color. Or in like, because I have, uh, you know, first generation, like Indian, like parents yeah. that are from Punjab. Yeah. They probably would just say marketing. That's <laughs> Mar- marketing. That's what, I love that. That's it. That's what yeah. I do. If yeah. anyone asks what I do, yeah. that, that's my parents' answer. Yeah. I'm sure that. you've heard it before. I, I know the exact same thing. I, I work in IT. People are going to be like, okay, I fix computers. That's really what I do. So Exactly. I, I love that. No, yeah. No, that, that is, that is actually, I think I've actually seen my parents explain this to someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they just kind of gave it, gave me the microphone. Okay. And yeah, they're like, yeah. you explain it. They have that's, no idea. Yeah, usually how it is, especially with first generation. I think it's like that with all of our siblings, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely the same. No, I love that. Right now, um, especially why I wanted to start season one of talking to different industries, especially networking opportunities are limited. And it's very hard for students to get into the industry. But for those who are looking at entry-level roles, um, what are some of the skills you you would look for an associate or a co-op when it comes to the CPG? I think to so to be a brand manager, I think what what really helps and what's yeah. helped me in my past experiences and also some of the some of my friends at yeah. work is um, one skill that I look at is is more so actually rather getting it into skills, it's more so softer traits versus technical. So it's something more that you the technical skills I'm not that worried about because yeah. something like learning how to do like a VLOOKUP or index match something like that on Excel yeah. is easy mm-hmm. in theory. But something where problem solving or resilience and like written and presentation, these kinds of things yeah. are more so developed, uh, like something that you would have, but then are also developed over time mm-hmm. and they can continue to develop over time. So, yeah. for example, the first thing that I really look at, if I, if I were to kind of do like two, three different traits, mm-hmm. the first one would be problem solving skills and analytics. So in analytical abilities, yeah. um, really dissect, really going into this point is that I like to see how future candidates and something that my supervisors and, and really the high level like directors and VPs as well yeah. is how can you dissect the problem and how can you be solution oriented once you f- face a problem instead of looking at the problem and being a bit scared. Mm-hmm. So this can be very simple. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the best brand manager. Or you don't have to really think of it at a super high level, yeah. but even like basic problems, how well can you look at a scenario? and face it as a problem, but then create a solution for it. Yeah. Um, so that's really the problem solving piece. But then the analytical ability is like, 
you look at a set of numbers or look at a set of figures and what is it something that you can take away from it? Is it a certain pattern that you notice or is it something that you're really able to take out and create an insight out of it? So really how are you able to like look at those numbers and digest it? But it's not even only numbers. I think analytical skills comes down to even just looking at, for example, if someone were to show you a picture yeah. and they're like, what are some of the uh, like kind of like the best things of the picture or like what are some of the findings of the picture, I guess, like mm -hmm. the main things. Like, you know, when you're reading a, a case yeah, yeah. and they ask you, like, what are some of the key findings and you're able to pull it out? Yeah. That's something that's super, it's super important, like pulling the insights. Yeah. So I think that's one. Um, another one that I look at is that this is something that comes really in one shot is like the resilience and grit. Yeah. So how much are you trying to put up with really in terms of like chasing your goals? Because it's like I mentioned earlier, it's not gonna be easy where after one day, you're like, okay, this is awesome. This is gonna be a brand manager job. This is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. Just like any other job, some days there's gonna be difficult days, but how do you develop that resilience for like keeping up with a lot of things and facing a lot of issues? And how do you continue moving through these issues? It's like, you know, like a swimmer when there's a lot of waves, yeah. they keep swimming through. It's not like you're going to stop after each single wave and be like, okay, I give up now. It's moving through that. And how do you continue to navigate through that? Yeah, yeah. That's so, so problem solving, analyticals, resilience and grit, uh, some of the big ones. And then I think prioritization as well is a big one from my side. Mm -hmm. The only reason I say that is like, that may seem like a pretty, you know, basic and, and umbrella a trait that sorts a, a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. But prioritization is really key because as a brand manager, like I mentioned earlier, you're gonna be focused on the strategy, on the executional level of the work. And uh, maybe there's some days where you have to look at the packaging of a product, like what claims am I gonna put on? Uh, how do I, what colors do I use on it? How do I make sure that this is really tackling that white space with the consumers that I mentioned and how are the consumers and understand? Mm -hmm. Some days you might be working on the, the media channel strategy, like I need to invest this much in TikTok, this much in Snapchat. So that's already like four or five things that I mentioned yeah. and your day is gonna be split up into a lot of different tasks. So you need to be able to prioritize and manage what are the things that you really need to get done and then what are some things that can wait until tomorrow. So that's yeah. one important thing. And yeah. really a lot of the co-ops that we've had, we've had quite a bit of meetings with them to adjust their schedules to see like how can you best prioritize the work that you need to do and how can you put some things on the back burner, the things that no, don't need to be done. Um, so those are really important things. And then finally, like the one that I would add is storytelling. That's like, as like a marketer, you, yeah. you need to be able to, again, find that, find what the consumers want to hear mm -hmm. and why does your product really tackle that barrier that the consumers are facing mm -hmm. and be able to tell a story with it. You know, it sounds like very cliche, like marketing theory, but like yeah. you need to be able to like create that story and also storytell in presentation. So whether that's internal or external, when, for example, we have presentations twice a year yeah. and we meet with the biggest retailers in Canada, like mm -hmm. Walmart, Shoppers Drug Mart, uh, Jean Coutu in Quebec and then London Drugs as well, like all, all the biggest retailers. And what we do is we essentially go with them with our performance updates of like how well have we been performing as a company and then what is our new products for the next year. And we got to tell the story to them about why would consumers want to purchase it. So as, as, a, as a senior level like manage, uh, marketing person, then you need to be able to tell those stories to them, but yeah. also to the consumers. So. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to be honest, but as a co-op, you know, it's like all of the skills that I mentioned can be like scaled down, but just as long as you show traits of it, I think that's super important. No, I love that. Yeah. And for all of listening, I think you should really keep track that 
a lot of people are what they're looking for nowadays is soft skills and you really touched on these are all pretty much soft skills that you're looking for like Meninder said, the technical skills you can learn on the job. If you wanted someone who's a master at Excel, we'll just put, a, put up a, someone, we'll hire someone who has 20 years of Excel experience. But no, we need fresh perspective. And how are we gonna get fresh perspective is from those things that Meninder talked about, problem solving, being analytical, being open-minded, having that resilience. So I love that and I think it's very true. And it goes across all industries, even the IT industry. I feel like the soft skills is really what people are looking for, especially in co-ops and interns, because you guys have no experience so how are you going to get that experience? It's, you'll get the technical, of course, once you get in there. But yeah. in order to get those skills, you have to have the soft skills because the soft skills will, ch will allow you to excel in those technical skills too later on. So I, I love that. I love how you use yeah. that analogy. And I like yeah, the resilience yeah. um, analogy you use with the, with the swimmer because that's very true. A swimmer won't stop halfway. You have to keep going. So are you, if, if, you're ha if you're given a task, are you going to stop halfway? No, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep asking questions. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, 100%. Asking questions is how you get to the root to of the problem. Being curious. curious. Being yeah. curious is huge. Yeah. So I, I love that. I think it's very true across all industries, um, having the soft skills. And that was a great insight in there. So that, that was good when it came to giving university tips. So what were some of the things you did? So as a, you know, going back to the Laurier days now, um, I, I believe you were a part of the co-op program too. But what are some of the things you did during the university days that really helped you get the role you have today? I think the the first thing that I really did in university, like, first of all, Laurier set up a very strong program in terms of uh, uh, networking with individuals in your programs and also outside of your programs. Yeah. They had great like O-week presentations. So that's called Orientation Week. Yeah. Uh, they just abbreviated to O-week. Yeah. Um, but they, they have an amazing business program. And I think the co-op office also does a really good job to connect you with great companies but also a scale of very wide companies so it's like a mix from cpgs to it companies to you know big four accounting everything so overall the infrastructure of the school is great and i think the way that they pass students through the program is awesome so really like big shout out to laurier like i, I yeah. you know I, I liked going to that school a lot um i think some of the things that i did on campus and really in university was mm -hmm. This is something that I began well before university, but it elevated in university of surrounding myself with like-minded individuals. So yeah. other people that are, you know, after this growth mindset and mm -hmm. are continuing to evolve and want to better themselves. So making sure that those are my closest friends, yeah. because those are the people that will keep you in check as well, because they'll, they'll really correct you in case that you're doing something that's against your goals. So mm -hmm. making sure you're surrounded with like-minded individuals is really, is really one of the key things. Another one in university was discipline and focus. And really the biggest one, uh, the, the biggest reason why discipline and focus was important for me is because I had a goal. In first year in university when I wanted to go there, my intention to go to the university was to go and be a part of the co-op program. So I needed to have discipline and I needed to be focused on that goal. And if I didn't do that, I knew I would have been upset one year from now and I one year from then and I would have regretted it and I would have regretted my choice. So, and I think that's really important, like discipline and focus is that I want to mention like w when we go through like our programs for like fitness and things like that, yeah. discipline is very key because it's very easy to wake up one morning and be like, I'll just sleep an extra hour or I'll do this. But yeah. if you keep that discipline and remember why you're doing something, then keeping that on top of mind is what really helps you thrive and to get through that. Yeah, no, I yeah. love that. I think it's very important to, of course, stay in the now, but also remember the end goal. Like, where, where, what do you want to achieve, right? And the way you can do that is, of course, focusing on the now and, and doing that. So that's really good. Um, besides that, um, more from the discipline aspect, uh, you, I know you're involved in school too a lot. 
besides um, being a part of the co-op program, what else did you do in school that helped you a lot? So what really helped is uh, is extracurriculars. So yeah. in university, I like with my like-minded friends and individuals, yeah. I was actually a part of a lot of intramural teams. So that was really fun because like you have some hobbies that are outside of your school as well. Yeah. And you know when you're living away from home, all of your friends and family and stuff like that, you want to do other things on campus. But more importantly, I got involved with a lot of the on-campus business clubs. And the reason for that was because I, I remember I came to the school for one reason and I really liked the business as well and I wanted to develop my business acumen. Yeah. So I think at a small level uh, or at a lower level, when you don't have any work experience, you're a first year university student or second year university student, yeah. how are you gonna develop that business acumen? Through courses, that's one way that's gonna happen, but then also through on club, uh, on club activities, like uh, sorry, on campus activities. Yeah. So this one club that I was a part of, I started off as an events associate uh, for sports management laurier that was four years later i was the president co-president of that club so i it was it was an awesome club very shout out to sml um but for <laughs> before uh for, so when i was an events associate i remembered some of the biggest things that we had to do is like organize events for like 100 to 200 people and what i didn't realize at the time is that i was actually developing my prioritization skills my organization skills and like i was developing my business acumen as well because i had to really uh market these events to these to the entire campus and get x amount of people to attend so i was already developing my business acumen there and i think that's what helped a lot now into my co-op terms and then having my full-time job so really that's being on campus helped a lot uh, with those clubs and i was also involved in deca so case yeah. competitions mm-hmm. um did quite a bit of case competitions like i think i did like like six to seven in first year yeah. uh maybe in the first semester i think it was it was a lot of case competitions but mm-hmm. with that you again like you don't have work experience but you get to learn how these mock companies or how these older companies have really uh, driven through so many different business problems and how have they gotten there so i think that helped a lot as well case competitions is big and finally, it when you're on these clubs, you also develop your network. Yeah. You meet a lot of different students that are like-minded and they also want to develop and grow just like you. So I think building your network and also like the world is so small. I think like you, you never know what industry you're gonna end up in after graduating or who you're gonna know. But majority of the time, it does end up being like people that are like driven and into like growth, just like that. Yeah. So be close to your peers that are on campus like get involved as much as possible and be uh, interested, find something that interests you and really like drives you, uh, like makes you very happy. So Mm -hmm. I think that's that's super important as well. Yeah, I love that insight. And if you notice Meninder, when he touched on the topics, he didn't really mention too much about the actual school school part. He was talking a lot about extracurriculars, being involved with things outside of school, inside school and outside of school. And that's what's really important. A lot of people focus on just going to class, um, getting your good grades and that's it. But with the dynamic we're living in right now, you have to do much more than that. And if you looked at Meninder's answer, he didn't even touch once on being in class or being in things. He talked about stuff outside the classroom, being involved in groups. And like you said, the soft skills that I was talking about before, a lot of those soft skills came from the student groups. That's how he was able to build those. You may build some knowledge about how a financial product or something works, but at the end of the day, the soft skills is what's going to get you the job, the internship. So I love how you touched on the extracurriculars. I think that's huge. And especially the case competitions, because you're actually yeah. solving actual yeah. business ca- business uh, problems in the real world at your level. So you're you're actually solving, you're, you're providing solutions, and you're actually looking at real cases that businesses need to fix. So yeah. I think that's huge, and uh, I really love that answer. Man. You're, I think you're pretty involved too on campus, right? Yeah, yeah. Like so 
same thing as Meninder. Like I did student groups, and then also case competitions was probably the biggest for me. Like being able to, uh, I was someone who studied economics. So uh, I, to get into the tech industry, you're probably wondering. I studied economics, finance. I did a BCom. How did I get a tech-related job? But it was all from case competitions, solving technical-related problems, being offered that uh, that platform to answer and solve technical problems. Give me that knowledge, right, of what it takes. And my role right now as a BA kind of really related to that. So I think case competitions yeah. is huge, and I, I that's why I love that answer. Yeah. So. Also, um, you, right now, you've been in the company uh, for about two years, but we know you're a brand manager and probably, like I said, the youngest brand manager I know. How are you able to grow um, in such a short time in the company? I think one of the biggest things is, and like I mentioned as well, is that what's helped me is uh, prioritizing my tasks to focus on the facets of the business yeah. that are absolutely critical for growth. So what do, are the things that we need to focus on today and what are the things that we need to get done? and what drive the most growth. So that's like definitely the number one, most important one thing. Um, the second thing would be to focus on my personal development and to be critical on myself when receiving constructive feedback. You, I think there's a reason why management and other people in your company will give you constructive feedback. It is because, uh, not, not to spite you or anything like that, but it's to help you develop because those are the experiences that they've also gone through. It's the same thing that like when, when your older siblings will give you feedback or someone in your family will give you like give you advice actually. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing where you should take that feedback pretty constructively, focus on your personal development, and then how do you get to the next level? And I think that's that's one thing that helped me a lot, especially year over year, because I noticed in the previous year there's been some business problems that we faced that came up again this year. But because of my experiences and because of the things that I've learned from the previous year, and how I use those towards my personal development has actually helped me solve them a lot easier this year. And they've actually helped develop the company into growth. So it's like these kinds of things, you always should be reflecting on yourself and try to find a way to better yourself. Just like the same thing, like the growth mindset that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, and then just, just to build on that one is like trying not to repeat mistakes. So once you've made a mistake once, um, really try to look into what was the issue what was the cause and the source of the issue mm -hmm. and try not to repeat it again. So if it's a mistake that you made in a presentation, uh, for example, if you're using like the word like too much or if you're using um too much or something like that, yeah. try to really think about why you did that. And next time, if you need to prepare a script or something, then you can do that. But just try not to repeat the same mistake more than once. If you do once or twice, that's okay. But really try to learn from your mistakes and continue to develop because like, that's how you end up improving in the long term. Like, like I mentioned, like if you're getting to your three or six month goals or one year to five year goals, yeah. you want to make sure that you're really setting up the building blocks and learning from your mistakes to get there. Yeah, I love that. And I, 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 like, like you said, I think it all links up back to the growth mindset. Having an open mind, when someone gives you feedback, are you taking that as a negative or are you taking that as a positive, right? It's all, it's all perspective and yeah. it's the glass half full, glass half empty approach exactly. too, right? Yeah. When someone tells you, oh, you're doing this bad, um, you should see that as, okay, you should see that as a positive thing. Oh, I'm doing something bad, that means I have room to grow. Yeah, whereas if absolutely. Someone, whereas most people, when you tell them you're not doing this great, they get demotivated and they go into this pit, they go into this trap of telling, and in the emotional state too, and that yeah. just affects the way they work too. Yeah. So I think yeah. you really made a really good point. It's about keeping your mind stable and keeping your mind open-minded, meaning if yeah. you do get feedback, how are you gonna improve? And I think yeah. that's very good. And as you guys heard, that's how Menendez has been able to grow because he's, he's willing to take feedback. He's willing to grow. 
he's willing to improve from his mistakes. Mm -hmm. So uh, no, that's really good. I think especially is like a, it's something super interesting actually just yeah. to kind of talk about this is that yeah, yeah. it's something that actually I've seen in a lot of entry level people, mm -hmm. uh, candidates, and even me, like I've been in the company for like two years. I graduated from school in 2018. It's yeah. something that I'm continuing to develop on. But when someone gives you feedback, your your ego is automatically going to want to trigger and it's like oh i didn't do that i didn't do that wrong like yeah. it's it's you know it's how i work yeah. but i think when you're getting the right feedback from from a certain perspective and you've seen that these individuals have grown i think yeah. to take that constructive feedback is very important and, and you take yeah. it and actually learn from it rather than uh, being focused on oh like i don't deserve for this to be said to me we're too young to 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 100%. to fight against these things i think we yeah. should just take it for our learnings and it's only natural i think from the mind too to go straight to the negative the first thing yeah. right like you said the ego comes in the way so it's it's kind of mastering that right how can you master controlling this emotion that comes into you how yeah. can you yeah. it could be through anything right it could be even through your hobbies like if you have a hobby that helps you improve your emotion that can really help that aspect too 100 percent. so with that being said um what are some of the most important things this is this is overall not only in the workplace but what are some of the most important things you learned in life right um what was your life like before learning it and how has your life kind of evolved after learning that so i think one of the biggest traits rather that i've learned from an experience yeah is discipline and this actually stems from fitness because mm -hmm. i i remember and it's cascaded into all the different pillars of my life when when i think about fitness is we've been you know lifting since we were in grade nine ever since then but I remember in the first couple of years, we almost kind of stagnated, had the same kind of body compositions and we had a goal to get to where we wanted to get, but we weren't able to achieve that goal mm -hmm. because there were so many distractions and our priorities were lacking a little bit. So I think yeah. now looking back at that time, I can reflect back on it and say I was lacking discipline because I wasn't that I wasn't that focused on my goal. I think if I if I had that right level of discipline and I actually focused on what my end goal would be, yeah. then then that's that's I would have gotten there. And I think what helps you get to that level of discipline, I learned, is setting up goals. So like short to long term goals in between to try getting you to the next milestone. So mm -hmm. what what did I do? Like from my experience, is I picked up different programs. So like three to four week or three to six week programs yeah. that will then keep you forced because I'm a part of this. I have to do this now four to five times a week. You're holding yourself accountable. Accountable, exactly. So you're holding yourself accountable yeah. and then you want to see yourself at that end goal. Yeah. And that's what helped as well. Like I was like a pretty chubby kid. Like there's, yeah, a, me too. there's me nothing, you know, kid. there's nothing wrong with that. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like when you, when you spend two hours a day at the gym and you're still like that like i think it was just like for us like we didn't hit the right goals to be honest so yeah i think like having that discipline and, and fitness has helped me a lot in the rest of the pillars of my life because what you learn is that that one extra set that you want to push yeah. you push it it's done it's it wasn't that hard right it wasn't that hard at all now imagine applying that to everything else whether you're going to dental school or law school or you want to go do your mba that uh lsat exam or that M that gmat or whatever you have to write is not that hard you yeah. just set yourself up for success and make yourself forced to be like in love with that goal and you can get it done that's yeah. really that's really the biggest thing i love that and i think it's all about uh, putting yourself in the right mindset when you set those goals right and, yeah. and maintaining that mindset and i think a good way to maintain it at least what i've been doing recently is writing down even small goals in the day it could be something super small like go to the gym right yeah, it could be yeah. like even something like uh doing some pull-ups doing this whatever it may be small yeah. goals i want to cook dinner today i want to yeah. cook lunch today 
when you saw start, start writing these small goals and you write a check mark after completing it, yeah. even work tasks, you're gonna feel amazing. So yeah. I feel like I like how you said yeah. like it's short term, long term, and medium term goals. Um, I think you gotta set them and you gotta you gotta you gotta maintain it in a way, right? You can't yeah. you can't yeah. just be doing it on a on a weekly basis. You gotta yeah. be doing it every day. But I think the key with that is also starting to enjoy the process, right? Exactly. Because exactly. a lot of people yeah, they, yeah. they're like, oh, I'm doing this, but it feels like a burden. Yeah. It's feeling like a burden. And Gary Vee says this all the time. Yeah, you're probably yeah. not doing the right thing. Yeah. Right. You gotta be yeah. doing something you like, right? Yeah. If you if you're not liking it, maybe you need to change. Yeah. Or if you if it may be a bigger problem, why do yeah. you, if it's a good thing for your life and you still don't like it? Yeah. Maybe your mindset's wrong, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah, you need yeah. to shift your mindset towards liking some good things in life yeah. and not the bad things right yeah no i 100 percent agree to that because yeah. it's like you like i mentioned the workout thing that's yeah. just what applies to me yeah someone might think that's the worst thing ever like i'm not saying you have to work out to be like very positive thinking and 100%. things like that it's whatever lights that fire inside of you like what sparks that interest yeah. and what's going to help you get to the next stage so for some people it might be like you know, doing like uh, mind building activities or something like that instead. Yeah. It is, or reading books and things like that. Like it doesn't have to be the one physical aspect of it, but yeah. it's more so about like finding that thing that makes you passionate about what you're doing and then continuing that. That's yeah. the biggest thing. You ought to be happy in the process. Enjoy the process. It's enjoy. not a struggle. Yeah. It shouldn't be process. a struggle. Yeah. That's key. Yeah. Oh, I love that man in there. Um, <laughs> to kind of tie into the aspect of, um, Failure and struggle. Um, more, more of an example now. Um, what's the recent failure that you went through, and how did you kind of learn from that failure to to grow? I think one thing that has for me like a failure is anything that like takes me out of that growth mindset. So, one thing uh, personally that every I think I've struggled with. So I'll speak from my experiences. Is that with the pandemic now, like the COVID pandemic? I remember March, like March eighteenth timing. That was when everything went on lockdown in like in mostly in like Canada and in really everywhere. So how that changed us is our gyms shut down yeah. and our work shut down. So now how that affected me is that I work five feet away from my bed mm -hmm. and I don't have the gym to go to in the morning or I don't have the gym to go to after work. So immediately, like those first three to four weeks, actually not even three to four weeks, I'd say one to two months. The first one to two months, I remember I didn't even go to the gym because I didn't know how to adapt to get into the gym when the gym didn't exist. So how do you actually chase your goals and how do you stay on that same path when there's some uh, turbulence that comes in the way? So how do you continue going straight? Um, and I think that was the biggest like struggle, I would say. And, and for me, it's a personal failure of having that much of a period of me not being focused on what I needed to do. And I think now that we've been in the pandemic for so long, we've been able to learn. And especially me, I've been able to adapt now. And, and I and I really got out of that mindset of like, oh my God, I'm locked at home. I, I work two to three feet away from my bed. I don't have a gym to go to. So all I'll do is just work. I'll close my laptop and I'll open up my personal laptop. So that's like getting out of that mindset was a, was a pretty big struggle, especially now, like when we were in the COVID time. So in the most important learning that came out of it for me for that is that, you need to focus on your mental health as a priority. I think that's it's that's key. a huge aspect. Like find things, like I mentioned, that like light the fire inside of you and that get you interested. Yeah. And then you'll be able to focus on what you need to do. Yeah. That's a big thing. No, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like a lot of people can relate, especially with the pandemic, your normal routine and whatever it may be might have changed. Yeah. And one thing that's helped me, and I love how you touched on this too, is right away I started doing things that I do in the morning. For example, yeah. if I was commuting, Let's pretend I'm commuting. Let's let's exactly, wake up exactly. and let's go for a walk. Like yeah. I'm walking to work, and let's yeah. come back and go into like I'm pretending like I'm going into the office. Yeah, 
It's that, just sometimes yeah. the small things. For me, every time I went to work, I'd always listen to a podcast or I'd read. Yeah. I do one of two things right before I started work. Yeah. And so what did I start doing? At least recently, I I've been doing yoga because it's colder outside. So I start my day with yoga. Yeah. And then I listen to a podcast. Usually, I get into that mindset like I'm going to work. I yeah. think that's really important. A lot of yeah. people. They're just like, okay, like uh, it's changed now. I gotta just be be lazy, but you can still make your life. You can change your lifestyle in the sense that you gotta adapt to it. Yeah. I think that's where the growth mindset comes back and, into it too. And that's how I was able to overcome that struggle. That struggle yeah. of like being locked in one to two months. Yeah. I then thought I was like, why am I thinking that way when I can just simulate what I do? So for example, if I want to wake up at like five or something, yeah. then I'll still do it. And I'll just go run in my backyard. It's the same thing that we have as like a gym, yeah. and it's you. At the end of the day, your body is craving that that physical uh, work, and that's that's what I was. That's what I wanted to do, and that's what I wanted to simulate. So and that's what I started to do. So now, like with like the gym clothes and stuff, I was able to bring that routine back, yeah. and I felt like my life was like normal again. So it's like yeah. that. That's something that's a super positive, yeah. and I still was able to you know, develop myself at work and then outside of work as well. So that's, that's really what made me happy and helped me overcome that is like really simulating and getting over that mental barrier yeah. of, of not being able to do something. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. And I feel like yeah. it's, it's uh, adaptability is of course very important. And now we'll be equipped, right? We know yeah. that stuff like this can happen. I think our mind was so uh, triggered or our mind was so built to like think that things like this can't happen. Yeah. Can we, yeah, yeah. can we go through a pandemic? But now I think, it changed a lot of perspective, a lot of people's perspectives. And I feel like that's going to also change the dynamic of the workplace and how things are done too, because 100%. everything's changing now, right? The way we do things, everything's yeah. changed. Even the market, like if you look at tech stocks, they've been going up, value <laughs> stocks have been going down. It's exactly. because the things, the way we're doing, how we're doing things are much different than how we we're doing them before. Yeah. But how are we adapting to those things? What are we using to adapt to those things? I think that's really important. Yeah. What makes you inspired to be your best self? the number one thing that makes me inspired is my parents the reason for that is because i've seen this well my older siblings have mainly seen the struggles that have like the, the, we've been able to go through a lot of like first generation indian parents yeah. have come to this country with very little and i think what they've been able to build with, with these like building blocks every single day is truly inspiring and look at the resources that they've set up for us and how we be, how we're able to succeed with that mm -hmm. personally for me it is the biggest thing so i'll think about it all the time when there's like some struggles at work or if there's some struggles in my personal life or anything like that i'll really think about like the things that my parents have been able been able to do in the in really the very tough waters that they've been able to navigate through and still land to where they are i think that's the biggest thing for me that keeps me keeps me inspired and uh, i think it's something interesting that you mentioned as well is like writing notes and things like that i think it helps you stay inspired like on the day-to-day because like as you keep track of your performance and what you're doing, I think that's a super big, important, uh, very important thing as you continue to do. Yeah, I love that. And I can, of course, relate to I talked about in the first episode is a lot about uh, my family and how they kind yeah. of motivated me to be my best self because yeah. they were struggling. And here I was playing games. So how can I make them happy? They came they came here for a better life for all of us. And a lot of yeah. people who have immigrant yeah. parents are I can relate to me and in their story. I feel that how can we be our best self? How can we come better out of it? So yeah. I love that inspiration. My inspiration yeah. is very similar too. And yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, that's their inspiration. So. And, and if someone is like struggling to find inspiration, the biggest thing is like, we've mentioned it a couple times, I think in our discussion today. And it's just like, what makes you inspired? Like what actually like lights that fire in you? And like, yeah. what makes you want to continue doing what you're doing or want, or what makes you want to improve? So continue, think of that, find your thing. If you don't have a thing, then that's the most important thing that you want to continue working for.
Yeah. That's no, the that's the biggest thing. I love I think. that. Yeah, I know. I love that. That's that's <laughs> very good insight. So, um, yeah. So in terms of time, I we are doing this podcast now for because we just been going with the flow to be I honest. Been like we're at 43, 43 minutes. minutes. So. <laughs> Um, Meninder, it was uh, amazing having you as my first guest. You guys had an amazing conversation, and I really enjoyed this. And uh, I think we have a lot of insight to tell a lot of different people. So thanks yeah. for joining me today on my first episode. I really appreciate it. I think it's like it was awesome. Like to be honest, uh, I can't wait for the future episodes as well. Yeah. Um, you tell a very inspiring story, and I and I can't wait for the impact that you have on everyone else. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, and thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you for making it all the way to the end of episode one, season one. Season one is going to be all about talking to different amazing individuals, just like Meninder, who have found growth in their respective segment. Today was marketing. The next episode will be all about entrepreneurship. It's one of my close friends who left a stable full-time job to start a restaurant and how he's navigating through that tough time during a pandemic. So it would be amazing to hear from his insights. If you're interested and like the concept of the show, it would mean a lot if you could follow me on social media channels and also follow on the respective platform that you're listening to on this podcast. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode.